Welcome back to Blacker Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We are back for another episode of 1899. The Boy, written by Frise, directed by Baron. Some additional writers, Dario Madrano, Lopez, Galat, I'm sorry, Galejo. That's one writer with a whole bunch of names. I don't know why I'm over here clowning because my daughter has two middle names <laughs> making it ridiculously long Maya Celeste Bahari Green <laughs> so touche touche uh this was a good episode I liked it not as strong as the the premiere but I gave it an 8.7 out of 10 slower on the pace but I'm okay with that because I know that this show is going to be a build-up and I think the difference I can already markedly see between whatever the mystery box is with our cast of characters is the setting in dark you got to move around you got to move around quite a bit out into the world even if it was this block that block you got to change a lot of your set pieces whereas with this series thus far with our main characters they are on a stationary vessel now we have two but still in a relatively confined space without much much uh I guess difference of what am I trying to say here basically it can feel slower the less active your participants are and the scenery is I think that made it clear of what I was trying to get at however I think that this pace is still a keen to what the first season of dark does because it gives you some of your questions answers a lot sooner such as the whole Ramiro situation such as what is going on with or what the connection is with Jerome on this ship the letters so some of the things are connecting a lot quicker than I expected them to whereas in with dark you're just like who are these people how do they connect and just getting everyone's name down and what's this event that's about to happen and then watching things unfold from said event versus this is what is their connection between these people And how much is that important to what is the unfolding mystery? Before we do jump into the recap, wherever you're listening to this podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple, Amazon, I'm on YouTube. (laughs) Go down to the radio section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, and subscribe. 
And if you want to send feedback, 1899 or any other show that I am doing, blackercouch at gmail.com, or you can leave a comment below. Some lingering appendages from last episode. The tea scene, I did not make much of any comment about it. I took it behaviorally rather than mystical at the time, but I think in context, it came back to me that it might be alluding to another type of mystery. As I stated in the previous episode, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not, and I don't have anything against anyone that's not going to pursue every little thing that's going on. Cause I think this show is built like it and like Westworld in the same idea. Once you know that there is something to pursue that makes you even more actively attentive, but that also has the the potential even more so to suck you down into very very uh <laughs> inexplainable places and maybe that's fun for you uh i personally i'm okay with throwing a couple of things at the wall but i don't want to lose myself in the actual story so on the second watch when this is all over and I'll get to listen to the podcast that other people have put out there because I am cutting myself off until so then I'll get to to get caught up in all of that but for my first time viewing just because that's just a a lesson I learned I'm not saying I'm above what's happening I'm saying (laughs) this is how I choose to (laughs) engage with the material after learning this lesson from my last go round that I think I will appreciate it more if I just focus on the performances and yes address the mystery as it unfolds but not go so far that I got a whiteboard out uh the statement that the the women made the the Cantonese women I think they're Chinese not Japanese Things will turn out okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. I think that might be a thesis statement for the show. I did not include in my behind the scenes that the showrunners do intend for this to be a three season arc. I'm not sure if that changes your viewing uh, pacing of the show as well. Because if it's meant to be, I think there is something to that. If you know that the story is not just a self-contained story, you are not trying to get like, okay, well, we should be here. We should be there. You're not looking for that when you know that this is not even made to be. And it's not going to put everything together that you see in this. It's meant to be fleshed out even further. So just like dark, you're only going to get some of the crumbs. And lastly, the name of the ship that they're on, the Kerberos, is a computer network authentication protocol that works on the basis of tickets to allow nodes communicating over a non-secure network to prove their identity to one another in a secure manner. That is the name of the ship. Have at it if you want to rip that apart. (laughs) But because 
there is an actual glitch in this episode you're not that crazy and my one after this these two digestions of the story thus far my only theory right now is that they may be somehow in a mental institution since we got a mental institution in the first episode and they're and we got a lot of talk about the mind that this is all about the the people on the ship are all part of a hive mind that is somehow connected through trauma that's all that's all i got that's all i got captain ike awakes to some singing in a darkened forest where he sees a manor home with nina in the window or he calls out to nina and someone else but all he cares about is nina before the entire building catches fire transition to an identical scene in which we met mara where i guess this could be conceived as going from inside the head of the man to being told to wake up this time by mora's voice whereas mora was awakened or awoken by her father's he still has the ribbon tightly clutched in his hands and shakily he finds some booze before an urgent knock from his lieutenant intrudes don't the lieutenant kind of look like jared harris i i can't not see him jared harris with a red beard (laughs) every time he's on screen he gives him a message from the company that came a few minutes ago which simply says sink ship before he could process that news he goes there's more and takes it to the bridge where everyone is staring at the compass acting all types of wonky it's not the only one everyone else on board including the captains is doing a dance what happened on the prometheus that is the question on everyone's mind also where are all the bodies the prometheus certainly looks like it it's been out there more than four months why is there only a child survivor the entire episode they kept referencing the child like why did they lock you in there just for devil's advocate's sake because i do think there is the idea that he was locked in there because he's bad juju but it also could be to protect him i could see that happening if something's going on and you think okay here's this dark place over here there there's nowhere to hide something's coming in you're trapped you're like okay get in there and then you close the thing to try to seal them off and protect them that's also an option and then okay if someone finds you they'll be able to open it up and and pull you out and here's this mystery uh triangle pyramid that you can that you can hold on to just throwing it out there of course, Mora is looking after the sleeping child in her room. We're examining the pyramid gets us absolutely nowhere, but his pockets yields a wedding band or it could be just a regular ring, but it looks more in line with a wedding band. And wedding bands are typically worn by the male because unlike nowadays, there's not like a 
There were not two rings. It's usually one. <laughs> I love how the jewelry industry said, no, 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 no. The one is just the promise. The other one is for life. Oleg in the furnace room is questioning about his excursion. They are wondering why only the boy survived and what could have happened to a thousand people. The one dude's like, maybe wolves or one big wolf who is also the boy. Oh my god, bro. Oh, hell no, man. What the fuck, man? Get your ass on, man. Get your goddamn ass on. Ike, yes, that's how you pronounce his name. Ask him to ascertain how much coal they have. And to keep quiet about it, he's all cozy with the captain. Then proceeds to act in a manner one can only call paranoid as he runs into Mara asking questions she cannot possibly have the answer to. Other than, did he speak? No, the boy did not speak. What happened over there? I have no idea. I discovered things at the same, the same pace that you did. He asks if she experienced anything strange on the ship, like, like the singing that is plaguing him. Before wide-eyed walking away. And at first I'm thinking, why isn't she acting more concerned about the manor? And then I realized very quickly, this is someone who has been locked up in a mental institution so whether or not he is correctly or incorrectly but also coupled with the idea that his history is well known on the ship seeing him be a little a little maybe not on his best game is gonna cause empathy more so than it does alarm and why she reacts rather Rather the way she does instead of anyone else be like, what the fuck? This man's in charge <laughs> and he doesn't seem well. If anyone else were to to catch him in this mood and behavior, they would certainly raise raise eyebrows and, and bring more people in to have him removed. Whereas he seeks out Mora because there is that that understanding that there's something that you may know or understand that other people aren't privy to. Anka, is it Anka? Who is Tovi and Kester and Ada? Or Ada, one or the other, but I'm going with Ada. Their parents. He also seems to be a preacher of some type. He tells his fellow men not to fear that shit over on that boat. He leads his passengers into prayer. Put your faith in the light. It always seems as if the sinners are the only people that are to be punished when there are so many things done in the name of thy Lord. Preggers don't look inclined to keep drinking the Kool-Aid. And by preggers, I do mean Tovey. Mora meets her neighbor, Daniel Salas. I would have called him out immediately. That sounds made up. Who are you really? He's trying to get into her room because he said he heard whimpering. I'm like, well, I don't hear whimpering right now. So, <laughs> however, she thinks he looks familiar. He says, no, we're strangers, 
then the entire episode acts like they are not. She brings the boy food that he's not interested in eating. And that is the first sign that he is the devil or someone associated with demonic forces. Because there is not a child boy in human form that would ignore grub, especially after they had none in a while. They would have been munching that shit down. In response to her questions, he just gives her the pyramid. This is not helping me at all, little child. Ada helps her brother, Crester, wash his hair. She is so charming. And she tells him of her plans to follow her calling. She's all gossipy. She wants to be a doctor and asks what his calling is, but he gets annoyed because he doesn't know and tells her to go be a kid with their sister instead of with him. And she's like, you used to be fun. When did you turn into such an asshole? Let me grab my doll. I'm out this bitch. Why are you mad? Kester has a whole lot of secrets himself, or at least he is keeping a lot of who he is and what he likes to do on the DL. Certainly changed the our first reaction to his interaction with Angel. Because Angel locates him for passengers not to be, supposed to be going back and forth through that lock gate. Bitches be going back and forth through that lock gate. <laughs> Ain't nobody guarding that shit at all. Not at all. Torby came up on deck. Then Angel comes down below. It's like, oh, you're a hard person to find. Not really. Well, I guess there's 1,600 and something passengers on board. Holy hell. And he gives him with a cigarette case, finding out his name when Tove appears looking none too keen to see her brother with him. It's like, I'll see you around. She says, what is that man doing down here? What does he want with you? He's like, I'm not going to say nothing because he just nothing at all came down here (laughs) she says you promised me something before leaving what's this all about my guess is not to give in to his sexual preferences is the promise and while their first interaction felt aggressive coming from angel that just may be his persona he's like i want and i i I saw it. I'm about to conquer that ass. I don't know why I thought Kester was a child. So I have to walk it back, calling him any type of pedophilic type of associations. He's just a fuck. He's a, he's a, what do you call that? What do you call that? Uh, Playboy. He's a playboy. And he also has a spoiled narcissistic personality. As it make you evil just means that you're not the best of people but he also doesn't seem to hide who he is so anyone coming around him you know you got those people that love to be like well i thought i could change you well you thought nah you can't you can't blame them for your heart being broke because you set yourself up for failure thinking you can come out don't don't step in that ring if you can't and it's best not to Because someone like Angel will rip you apart. 
because i heard this on another show i bet there is some out there making commentary about the the character that is gay being someone that is rather loathsome or seemingly i said being unlikable doesn't mean that you're evil <laughs> but i also get what they mean right like oh why do I, why do we gotta play? but that's not i don't have in my mind watching all the shows that i've watched where i have seen it portrayed where the gay bi or lesbian characters are are the villains like they're predominantly an archetype being played over and over again if anything exploring the complex relationships between gay couples because it's not all rainbows and (laughs) sunset like any other human being is a step in the right direction versus continuing to play oh the same shit so i i enjoy this complexity being brought to and given attention to three gay characters on the ship that have completely different relationship stations uh to each other and they're all given a fair amount of attention and personality that we are getting to know and it's not all you know not trying to be fun but the characters on star trek discovery ike wonders about his order as some other ships were sold some months ago with no cargo like the prometheus they also were not full to capacity the same way this ship is not and they were told to sell this route but it is completely unprofitable his lieutenant tells him while his musings are that everyone is waiting for his orders and can't you see the building mutiny behind thee i do look back there and see those people questioning your leadership and try to at least address it lucian approaches ling yi reminiscing on how beautiful japan is and how he would love to see it one day is he dying don't you go dying on me at first she was standoffish but then she kind of warmed up to him that's when her mother showed up and said time to go no booty for you followed by virginia aka mrs wilson we quickly learn what her profession is I don't know what you heard about me. Put up this chain, get a dollar out of me. No Cadillac, no perms, you can't see. Then I'm a motherfucking P.I.M.B. He laughed in her face when he thought she was offering herself up. Because he's a lonely man. With an unhappy marriage. But then, considered when it is known she controls the little exotic bird, he does want to stuff jerome has a parchment that leads him to the lincoln room 2101 and i was like that's lucian's room i got it i need to work on my french by the way i'm just i keep i want so bad to be proficient in french 
And yet I have absolutely no brain power to take it in right now. I have nothing left to give in my energy compartment. He leaves a war medal on the desk, then hides under the bed when Clem shows up. She puts the medal in a drawer before he makes his escape. Captain Ike isn't the only one thinking it's weird that they got such a short message to sink the ship. However, his lieutenant tells him that, well, tells Franz and the rest of them that we are going to wait. This is when we get the reveal that the captain's wife set their house on fire with all the children inside and everyone knows he mentally ain't right. Crazy motherfucker named Joe. Ike retrieves the letter from Henry that says what is lost can be found. I was like, ah, I see a theme starting to form over the horizon and he is not helping himself prove to anyone that he should be in charge. He goes chasing hallucinations of his dead wife. At least that's what I thought. But he kept screaming out Nina. Turns out Nina is not his wife, but his daughter. Oh, no. I know. Clearly, he had a favorite child. But he goes into a room and there is a noticeable glitch. Like in the Matrix. It's a glitch in the Matrix, mate. His family is there and then it seems like they're paused and it reminded me of the mechanical way in which everyone took their tea. Clearly, his wife is not fully sane. She goes to warm up supper after saying where has he been or saying what took you so long. Nina reveals when dad is away, the dark shadows come out from mom. She says she tries to explain to the woman that some men are just married to the sea. (laughs) But I think you should talk to her. She catches fire and he is blown back into a tunnel that is under his bed. What the fuck is this shit? He was in a room. He went up a little ladder. And then he was in his, uh, in his bedroom underneath his bed. An upside triangle with a line through it. That mark is on the floor panel. We see it quite often. Maury explains to the boy upon examining his pupils that she got lost. She was lost at one time in life in the woods while hunting with her daddy. And she stayed out there all night. But she wasn't lost. Her daddy left her, like he'd done with her older brother, to observe as being alone like that, he said, reveals what kind of person you are. She wasn't angry he left her or lied, but that he took away the one moment in which she thought she wasn't being watched. So dad was the Reginald Hargreaves type, except From what we can see thus far, the children have no powers. This whole story is great backstory on Mara and her own mental, mental frailty. 
but also her resistance against her father's consistent what was he a fucking uh behavior psychologist or what i mean there are times in history sadly where people have used their own children in experiments but this whole story was not inspiring at all and she discovers that the boy has the same symbol by his ear that we saw on the floor panel he urges her to be quiet scared the shit out of me only one one jump scare of the whole episode is when he grabbed her hand and they was pounding on the door he's like i knew as soon as the pounding was going on i was like that's right that's right (laughs) proving he's got his namesake's violence i never said i wasn't going to hell eat the cake anime eat the cake She uh, pries him away from the child who's crying and scared and can't answer any of the questions in which he's being posed about. Then he explains to Mora in the hallway that he is having strange occurrences so loud that everyone should be able to hear. But then they did state the ship was not even close to capacity. And yet, rather reckless, but how should you react when crazy shit is happening? That's the thing. You always want to criticize like, oh man, why are you not acting in a manner that's more, but at the same time, bitch, I was just back in my house and then I was in a fucking place underneath my bed. You could tell I took a dab if you look into my eyes. So, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to let off a little bit. She tells him he needs to calm back down because he isn't presenting rational and he apologizes before walking away as daniel approaches telling mara her name is irish but she is not he and the boy clock eyes before she closes the door and locks it behind her these little interactions she seems to be intimidated but also fascinated in a way in which he can't be like dude why are you being so (laughs) yourself right now jerome approaches clem on the deck everyone's taking their turn staring at the prometheus who thinks he works on the boat and even though you shouldn't judge a book by its color he did so to judge her so don't judge her for doing it to him i'm not judging i'm judging a little i'm not gonna lie she was apologizing for being human even though she knows that what she said was probably rude but she was making an excuse for her rudeness she then tries to make it up by saying oh it's probably horrible working on a boat it's like a prison jerome responds that we are all stuck in prisons as we can't escape who we are neither can i He admits he did sum her up the minute he saw her as she walks away after seemingly believing they met before. And this is the second couple that seems to know each other. Franz and his fellow sailors assault Jerome or they try to take him into custody after finding out he's a stowaway. He got some mad fighting skills, though.
was like four or five on one. Yeah, I think it was four. Four on one. They do eventually get him, though. And I was like, damn it. Romero wakens. Later on, Fran still has those cuts, like all that blood on his face. And while I can understand the cuts being there, why did you not find a cloth in some water and clean yourself up? It's got to be a little terrifying to the passengers. Custer is called out by Sis Toby about his gift that he just keeps staring at, didn't even try to hide or even look up from. When she approached him, she figures it's from the man. And once again, I found it would have sufficed. <laughs> like, oh, I just found it around the ship. She warns that rich men only give you things for something in return. And he should know that above all others. Does Kester like being a kept man? She walked away disgusted. Ramiro finds Angel watching the boat. And I don't know because it's his turn to watch the Prometheus. Or I don't care what y'all say. Life without electronics to pass this boring time, especially on a boat, would suck. This is a passenger vessel, too. I think last episode I said it was like a cruise liner. It's not. This is a steamship. So I was incorrect in my assessment. Romeo wonders if the police is coming for them, but he points out, I think the mystery next to us is more important. Toby, you got that energy I like, girl. She reminds me of, oh, girl, what's the, what's the, the mama, the blonde haired mama in dark? They got that same energy. <laughs> she stalks up to Angel and returns his gift, telling him in a language he doesn't understand, but can get the message nevertheless that if he touches her brother again she'll cut his dick off she definitely doesn't like rich men thinking anything belongs to them maybe that has something to do with her situation or what happened to her brother one or the other or possibly both ramiro peeps was up and goes to cry in his pillow ike Goes back into the hole in his room and discovers nothing but black tile. Oleg knocks on his door and tells him what he wanted to know about the coal ration, but doesn't respond in kind to Oleg's inquiries. You can't just keep slamming doors in people's face, even though it's hilarious every time it happens. Mora once again questions the boy, showing her the letter that has the same symbol, but seems to be addressed to Henry not to her so that's not her brother so who is henry because she says i'm looking for my brother and then she said i found this letter and she doesn't show him the name just the symbol that matches the one on his uh behind his ear the porter rings for everyone to assemble and apparently the racism is real so that's what happens when a german is running this chaos like damn Angel goes back to Romero and tells him why you're so concerned about being found out for being neither a priest or my brother. Everyone is worried about their own shit. So stop panicking about being caught. You Portuguese servant who is also my fuckboy. His mother causes nothing but seething rage to pour out of Angel when he, Romero brings her up saying that she said or warned that he was nothing but selfish using people for his own purposes but he gives them the d to calm him down get your ass on that bed 
The minute he ran away on the deck, I wasn't surprised by this scene. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, no, he's definitely not his brother. Uh, what's up with him and his mother, that relationship? Because he looked almost like he was going to, like, punch him in the face and break facade. But then he smiled and he's like, you're just jealous. And then he ends up having him make the first move so he does seem a bit of uh, a control freak there's something else going on there i'm very fascinated to know the symbol is also on the carpet as daniel comes out of his room to release the beetle ada who was missing earlier follows leaving her doll behind she follows it to Daniel on the deck who says, I'm so sorry. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Side note, I know I skipped over it earlier, but the acting was really strong in the scene between father and daughter. When he hugged her and he's like, I miss you all so much. It's good to know he does love the rest of them because he only talks about Nina. But I forgot to give him his props. So I did want to uh, circle back around and do so. Looking a little unstable, Ike announces he is towing the Prometheus back to Europe to the dismay of absolutely everyone. When Miss Wilson said that everyone will basically not do what you ask them to do and mutiny against you. He basically said, I made my decision. But I did expect after that point that his officers would turn on him. But it seems they are still at least keeping up the appearance of following his orders. It looks a little bit later. And we'll talk about that scene that they may have been at the, the point of just whoopsie. Daniel gets creepily close to Mora during the ensemble and just she just allows it. Not me. Get back, motherfucker, you don't know me like that. Get back, motherfucker, you don't know me like that. Geek, geek. Woo, woo. I ain't playing around. Make one boss move, I take it down. Get back, motherfucker, you don't know me like that. Get back, motherfucker, you don't know me like that. Mora, who probably has the most ammunition to to contradict his orders, even though she herself does not agree with them, which is strange considering he decides that he's going to tell her everything that someone sent him this letter. Uh, someone said it's connected to his family. There's something fucking wrong about that ship. I don't know what it is. But someone wanted me to find it and I'm taking it back to Europe and they can figure this shit out. Maybe you're right. Maybe I am going insane. But losing someone is like dying with them, except they get to move on. And you're stuck. And I'm like, oh, well, I mean, if it was your child or something to that effect. But if it's the natural order of things, I think we're less like we're still in the throes of grief and by him saying that, as expected, he's still in the throes of deep, deep grief. And his loss is rather far more tragic than, say, the natural 
state of things but loss in itself dying in itself you know is a part of the equation and being that stuck after every loss is not healthy there's a a grieving period but then there's also the things in which you know like it is an expected part of the 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 uh the exchange of life but he's still turning the ship around Mora pleads but he demurs she also doesn't mention her exact letter or that her father owns the company you think she'd still want to investigate now knowing that she's not even alone in her own pursuit like oh we have the same agenda why wouldn't she not put out her cards other than she still doesn't trust him I don't know she goes back to her room. Daniel is outside her door telling her the captain is wrong. He can't see the consequences that his actions are going to cause. And he asks if she has family and she says she does not. The lieutenant and Franz consider simply seeking the ship as they tow it along. But then Franz makes a discovery. The dead body of Ada. Mara considers her necklace and the boy. Daniel has a photo of Mara. Where'd he get that from? And even stranger, the episode ends with someone watching on monitors. Shit just got real. This opens up a whole other can of what the fuck cannons. Because I'm pretty sure in 1899, they did not have like video software think we still listen to radio until like the 1950s <laughs> so <laughs> how did this technology and then how like where the, where's the cameras where's the cameras and how is the camera on the deck that's not possible not for the angle that he's watching at or someone don't even know if it's a he it's just in a strange room and uh that's our big wtf moment of the episode because i honestly did not know what to think and i have nothing else to give so that is the perfect segue to the feedback i wanted to have this episode out on saturday and then my daughter decided she wanted to watch cobra kai binged it she did all the way until like four o'clock in the morning on sunday my Netflix is on one screen because any other day of any other month of any other year, this child don't watch Netflix. But of course, right when I'm about to watch them, here she come. Here she come. And I couldn't kick her off because I couldn't figure out how. <sighs> Anywho, let's hop into the mailbag. Hey, Christina, it's me, Shy. I'm here to give my thoughts on 1899 episode two. Um, yeah, I just got back into town. Not just, it's been a, a few hours, but I was able to, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, settle in and just watched episode two of this show. And needless to say, my confusion remains and this show is crazy and I'm I'm just I just can't. 
you know, I applaud, I was listening to, I didn't, um, I was listening to the feedback for the first episode just to see where everybody was at with it. And, you know, I got to applaud Mimi for, you know, jumping out there with some theories and all that good stuff because I was just trying to just get through the episode without being lost. So theorizing on what was going on was something I just wasn't, my brain just wasn't going there. Um, But uh, for this episode, I, you know, I I thought I was going to go in with the mindset of, yeah, I must see if I can figure out some things and maybe, you know, throw out a theory here and there. And towards the end of the episode, I'm just so lost that I don't, I don't even know why I even thought I could do that. So, but, <laughs> you know, here's my, the th- the first thing that I want to say is that if, if I saw one more person look across at that damn ship, Prometheus, I was going to lose my mind. I was like, can we get somewhere? I feel like, I mean, I think Christina, you talked about the um, pacing of it like maybe somebody was talking about the pacing of this show and I, I'm you know last episode I was more so focused on trying to make sure I didn't get too confused and make sure you know and um <laughs> I get what Mimi's saying you know that's the one thing I mean I'm fine with subtitles because I have closed caption on my um on my uh, when I'm watching shows even if it is in English so I'll read, I read and watch TV as well. Sometimes I don't feel like doing it. Sometimes I'm fine with it because I read all day at work. Not all day, but I read a lot at work. And so the last thing I want to do sometimes is read. But um, it's such a second nature to me to read. So um, while I'm watching shows at times, but, you know, sometimes when it's in English, I, I might not, I might not read. But obviously this one I would have to but um I just don't I just think that the pacing of this um it it's it's off a bit because in this one it was just like they spent so much time with people just staring at the ship and and it's like then they're trying to be so mysterious and they just have these random meetings and I'm sure at some point they'll make more sense. Um, they're random now, but maybe they'll make more sense later. Just like Jerome and Clement. And then we have Daniel and Mora just constantly meeting and just constantly these cryptic conversations and not fully fleshed out conversations. And then we have Jerome, who was badass. You no, know, mind you, you know, um, he's get caught up uh, as a stowaway and... You know, he tries to fight his way out of it. It, it ain't happening. And so there's that. But he sneaks into their room, puts a metal on the desk. And I mean, I'm like, what? what? But then he doesn't know her. But then she's like, do I know you? And then the same with Mora and Daniel. She's like, do I know you? All this stuff. It's like, come on now. And then we got um Captain and him... I mean, I I guess I'm just not that person that is that curious that I'm going to be um, going into random rooms when I see ghosts. I'm just not doing it. And so, (laughs) so, 
But he does this. Um, of course, we find out um, between the conversation with uh, some of his crew that his wife uh, murder suicide, something, you know, set herself and the children on fire. That's how they died. A gruesome way to die. Um, sound like um, the wifey had some mental health issues and she had and he was always gone and she was dealing with um, sounds like depression, schizophrenia, bipolar, because the daughter was talking about her seeing shadows and stuff like that. So, um, I, don't, I mean, again, I don't like to fully, you know, talk about diagnoses like that, but I'm just throwing something out there. I mean, well, who cares? It's It's not like. You know, someone's going to come at me first and, hey, you don't know that. Um, but anyway, so, and it sounds like the oldest daughter is was parentified and was basically the the parent of the mom and of the of the family while dad was away. So um, that's sad. Um, so we have, um, I mean, just again, like random scenes. I forget the guy's name that's married to Clements. What's his name again? I don't remember, but him apparently obviously he's obviously attracted to the Japanese girl and Miss Wilson, who Mimi cracked me up <laughs> with her her uh opinion of this lady. Um she's definitely a busybody. She's all up in everybody's business. Um so there's that. Then we got the brothers who aren't really brothers but lovers. Um we already knew they were so maybe that's what they're running from is uh being gay where they are is obviously not accepted. It's not like it's going to be accepted where they're going, but uh, uh, maybe they don't know that because, you know, you're being, uh, you're being sold on a dream of America. And so they, that's, that's what they hold on to, I guess. But I don't know about the, the, oh, man, what's the other guy's name? The, uh, the rich one, not Mer- Romero, um, angel. Um, he's definitely not an angel. Uh, he's very manipulative and very conniving. So, uh, or so it seems. So that that'll be interesting. What's going on with him and Crester? Um, we got Oleg. I mean, I know I'm all over the place, but I only got ten minutes. So, um, we got Oleg telling um Captain that they only have a certain amount of coal left, and so he decides to have the bright idea, Captain. That is to go back and tow the Prometheus with them. And I'm like, how in the hell do you make that decision? I mean, I I get it, but I, I just, you know, <laughs> even if, I mean, I, I just, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to understand his rationale. Like you have all these passengers who pay good money, I mean, regardless of their motives or why they're trying to get away from London, the fact is they're trying they're they're trying to reach something. They ha- and you're just taking upon yourself to decide a whole lot, and um, that's uh, it's just crazy to me. But um, we got the boy and uh, him not talking and just pointing and showing, and, and it's just a lot of just. You know, <laughs> just I feel like procrastinating to get to the point. You know, all this 
mysterious stuff is happening and we're not supposed to know. And I know it's episode two, so we got to be patient and all that good stuff. But I just think some of it is a little unnecessary. And in some parts, there's a lot of dragging on, like I said, with the staring at the ship. Everybody's wondering about this ship. And it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, this one was a... I didn't enjoy this one as much as episode one um, because I felt like it was just not as not as good. I don't know. That's the best way to put it. <laughs> I mean, just simple way to put it. I mean, we learned some things, not a lot. Um, then we see the my favorite, you know, one of my favorite characters. They he killed her. Like, what is going on? Why did he? Why? What is up with the bugs? Why did he kill her? And he's talking about he's sorry. So obviously he's trying to set something in motion. And so then we got the kid with the triangle on his tattoo. And then, oh my gosh. Um, it, it's just, I mean, I'm sure there's some time travel. I agree with that maybe. Or another dimension. They're in another dimension now. I, I just don't. I just think they're already in another dimension. But then again, I don't know what that um, first mate got on that the thing that started, the telegraph that started again. But anyway, uh, I'm out of time. That's all I got. Um, so I'll leave it at that. Until next time, much love, peace, and Black Girl Magic, Queen of the Couch, Shy. That was Queen Shy on her thoughts on the episode. Didn't quite like it as much. Uh, thought it was a slower pace. Procrastination, one would say. I disagree with that terminology. Uh, I think pacing is something that is and can be and often is subjective. So I'm certainly not going to uh, discredit your own viewpoint of said episode. But procrastination means that you don't know where you're going in a story. And that's one thing I would not put on these particular directors because they definitely know where they're going. Uh, it's just about setting down the layers to which that unfolds. And I think that goes back into what I was saying before I even heard your feedback uh, about the pacing in the beginning of the the episode of this particular podcast is that one with that that's the trap, right? Once you know that there's this mystery box, you want to get to the good parts. You don't want to sit around. You don't want to wait for the setup. You don't want to do, you, no, you want to get to the, the thing that's going to make you titillated. And you forget last time that maybe things weren't popping off the way you excitedly recall them because you're recalling all of those savory parts of the equation. But additionally, I think it is going to play even worse in one's mind because of the stationary setting. You're on a boat in the ocean. It feels boring because it is boring. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot going on. You say you're so tired of them staring at the Prometheus. That's all you can do. I think that mon the mundanity of it plays into the story. Uh, I did hear one interview before the show uh, dropped is that nothing is wasted. Absolutely nothing is wasted. So that means whatever you're feeling, even the feeling of how you think, think things are playing out for the characters, because that's who's the lens we should be looking through. At least I look through 
when I'm viewing uh, a television series um, is if that's how we're feeling, how, how does it sit with the characters? Like there's nothing else like that to me feels realistic. And a lot of our issue is particularly, particularly more now than ever, <laughs> because there'll be space shows like The Expanse that'll show real space stuff. And everyone's like, no, that's fake. Because 40 years, we've been telling everyone this is how things go in space. It's the same thing with this type of show. Like, oh, you want it to be exciting. But this is what it's like to be on a steamship in 1899. <laughs> They're putting you in the perspective of the characters, even if that doesn't make the audience member itself necessarily agreeable to, to it. And that's, to be fair, uh, an understandable place to be because what when you're putting a lot of mystery upon itself you're not quite sure how you're to be following it that's why I'm not trying to jump ahead of the story instead of staying in the story uh, I don't think that it's time travel only be well let's just say this because <laughs> that's actually false because I don't even know if I agree that I don't think it's time travel I haven't seen any proof of time travel yet but I think the glitch speaks to me of a technological or or mental because our minds like starting up with that very big abstract concept that's also why I think it has to it has to appropriately go slower you're going to lose people that's the problem people felt with Westworld season uh two in particular, is they felt lost because it was moving so fast through a lot of these bigger ideas. So it is going to the abstract ideas may take some more massaging if depending on how big they want to go. I think just going back to time travel would be very repetitive. So if there is a time travel factor in it, it must mean there is something else attached to that which means it's a bigger than what we already expect. And you gotta, you gotta, I'm not even familiar with that type of shit to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to need a lot more massaging in my brain before I'm ready to accept uh, the ideas they may want to present to me about what exactly it is that we are viewing. But the whole idea of energy, uh, of synapses in the brain, of those connections with the name of the ship. I think that's all, it's all getting your brain to think instead of, uh, necessarily. I mean, it, like I, I wasn't, let's just put it like that. For me, I wasn't to this point where I am in this episode last episode because I got more information in this episode even though I know you stated you didn't get as much as you wanted I I started getting some branches um the captain is the captain he can literally unilaterally decide whatever he wants I don't know what <laughs> maybe it's a different militarily <laughs> that you're thinking of but no you being the passenger on a steamboat in the 1899 affords you less privilege than you would if it was 2022 because you can you can file a complaint you can do this you can do that the most this company is going to do is give you your money back or free passage on the next boat they're not like that customer service is not a thing 
1899. So no, he doesn't have to, he doesn't at all need to explain his actions. The only people he's accountable to is his officers. Now, if they decide they want to mutiny, that's when he's got problems. That's why I said you should be more concerned about them and getting them more on your side than who cares about these paying passengers. It, it doesn't really matter. They don't get a say so. And particularly when you get in a situation on the seas, even more so you don't get a say so. Like they could just lock you in, but like there's a situation. This is how we're handling it. Um, as far as towing the boat, I don't even think that's so out of the realm of pot. I mean, this is a fucked up mystery. Like what the hell happened? There's a whole bunch of people that are not accounted for. There's a child here and it feels like to him that they're covering it up. Like that doesn't make sense to sink the ship. Why wouldn't you that? Uh, not only that, you have to think about it like this in a, a company perspective. That is a retrievable multi-million dollar vessel and you want me to sink it nah something's not right so now i think his actions are absolutely logical in the sphere of of thinking of there's some deception going on i don't know what that deception is but i'm definitely going to bring it to someone's attention and not just cover it up and keep on moving uh and while yes being gay is not a uh, it may be a crime in america eh, it's not punishable die death <laughs> they'll lock you up you know you can go find some gay i mean there's been plenty of historical accuracy around how gay men were able to at least live their lives rather in secret or, or openly in some places of the United States. It just depends. The United States is a huge fucking country. You can disappear into the United States versus somewhere like where you come from, where everyone may know who you are and citizens that won't hesitate to take the law into their own hands, track you down and kill you. That's what goes on in Jamaica. So unfortunately, I think him running away due to his sexuality, even though I think it might be more than that, wouldn't be necessarily out of the realm of behavior. It's like the lesser of two evils. You're always going to pick the lesser. Um, as far as diagnosing, I, I, th I don't even think we even need to diagnose. But I agree with you. You know, clearly it's trying to tell us something's going on or want us to guess at what she what is wrong with her. We could settle on she's mentally unwell, but the shadows do hint at maybe a multiple personality disorder or some deeper darker side of her persona um and then lastly back to the pacing issue i mean it is going to be one of those things that i feel like you're either going to settle into or you need a distraction from the mystery because things are going to be cryptic but i think that's a purposeful aesthetic because i don't think i think we are the we are the audience are the people uh, at least that's how I feel at this point in the story arc is they really want us to be just as a little bit baffled. Like, do I know you? I don't think I know you, but I feel like we met. How many times we've had those moments? At least I've had those moments. <laughs> like, do we know each other? But maybe we don't know each other, but maybe in this show you do. So when you have so many threads to pull, it can feel maybe exhausting because you have to keep pulling at all of them or you may feel inclined to pull at all of them 
but I, I, uh, I hope that things do progress in a way in which, cause I didn't, I didn't too much have a problem with the pacing, but I could see it, right? I could see the reason why it is the way it is, but I could also see your side of the idea that it's just, it, particularly if you're not used to, or it's not really your cup of tea to simply sit in big ideas without necessarily getting a whole bunch of leading into the answer. It's about at this point, not even about patiently setting up because I think that we have gotten gotten pretty damn far (laughs) in the second episode to know that something strange is going on. It's not time travel yet. It certainly has something to do with the supernatural component to it, if not a technological component to it. That that definitely pushes, I think, further. And maybe it was the third episode of Dark that we even knew that time travel was happening. And I don't want to compare the two shows because I almost feel like that's a disservice. But since it's the only reference point I have, the first two episodes of Dark, I recall being rather, because I rewatched it a few times, like those, these are really rather slow. And it doesn't really until episode five that we even got a big holy shit reveal into half the trajectory. So with that being said, hopefully things speed up in a um, compatible way, but I, I'm sorry to say that it may continue to linger for a bit, depending on, and we won't know. I really can't even, I don't even know why I'm saying this because I can't, I, I feel like with this show, I really can't fully assess the pace of it until I get to the end. Unlike with Black Panther, where I got to the end and I was like, yeah, that middle part right there could have all been cut out. I just realized we never even talked about Black Panther. We should do that in the next Jones Chronicles. We do have one more piece of feedback from Queen Mimi. She may agree with you, disagree with you, have different ideas of opinions, have some theories on the board. We shall see. What up, Stina? It's Mimi. This is feedback for um, $18.99. Um, I'm starting to feel reminiscent to dark um i have no idea what's going on i tried to write down notes but it's like (laughs) i can't quite understand like my mind is trying to watch and then like i think of something but then i'm watching and then it's it's gone so i i don't know i it's clearly interesting but i have no idea what the hell is going on um i do get the vibe though that the the boy, well, clearly the boy and the guy in her, the in the room next door to Ginger. I don't know what her name is, but she redhead. So I'm going to call her Ginger until I figure out what her name is, um, are connected. But my mind keeps doing things like, oh, they're the same person. Like, I can't get past the fact that that the Prometheus look like it's been through some years of travel. Not just four months. Like, I understand, like, 
it looking like a disarray moldy food probably stinks it should have dead bodies there but even if the bodies were dead they wouldn't be decomposed by then it's only been four months and even you know at sea you know with the moisture i can't imagine the process you know with the rust speeding up you know a thousand times faster than it normally would the prometheus look like it it's been shipwrecked for decades not just months i disagree with the captain i understand that something is strange is going on but logically i'm trying to figure out why he thinks the prometheus is important something happened there is nobody on the ship there's no evidence all you find is this boy that was locked into a cabinet somebody sent a message and that person's not there why are you keeping the ship something fucked up happened maybe we should like leave it where it is you know what i'm saying and uh move on <laughs> i i just don't like the shit that's happening to him like seeing your family seeing them blown like caught fire and then the fire explosion blows you literally across the room that would be enough for me not to want anything to do with it not decide i'm gonna get on um uh the let's keep the prometheus tip like i i just don't understand what his like logic is every all these signs are pointing to you should leave that shit alone not decide you want to be a part of it and continue to mess with whatever the fuck is happening um and i i understand like questioning the boy but that seems more promising than f attaching a boat that the company doesn't want to the ship that's supposed to be in new york or bringing that that ship that's supposed to be in new york back to europe everything you're doing sir sounds fucking crazy and i'm with the strength the paled stranger neighbor we can call him neighbor until i figure out what we call him the next door neighbor there's no way all the people on that ship especially these rich entitled people are gonna sit back and let you bring this ship back to europe and they're supposed to be in new york on a non-stop uh travel i don't know what you call it cruise i don't know i don't think they call it cruise but it's supposed to be non-stop to new york you really think that these people that are used to getting what they want and have money are going to sit here and, and allow you to do this? Even your crewmates and your um, co-cap, no, it's not a co-captain. What is it called? The second second mate don't think this is a good idea. So you have all these people doubting you and you're just one person. You're crazy to think that they just going to take this sit shit sitting down. There's absolutely no way. Um then we have our little blonde friend who is i know crester's little sister that shit was sad um as soon as he like go play with your dolls or do whatever and he left her i i had a really bad feeling that something was gonna happen to her i was hoping you know maybe she would like get you know put into some type of like state i didn't think she was gonna be dead and that makes me sad because i genuinely thought she was gonna be a main character and she was probably like our introduction to her she just seemed so mature and i and i was a fan immediately so now that she's dead like i don't know what this 
how this plays, but it's clear that, you know, the guy that came up out the water, who's the neighbor now, like I said, we're going to call him the neighbor. Um, he, he has these bugs. He came from the Prometheus. We know that. And he has some type of plan. I don't know. I, I still keep going to the, like him being from the future and the Prometheus somehow going into the future and he, him being on it. And that's, that's the connection. But that last little piece that we got where we saw those screens where they were looking, those look like some, some tablets, some I, iPads. Those were not invented in 1899. We didn't have those. Even if they weren't an, an Apple product, where the fuck did they come from? And there was no cameras weren't invented back then. I'm pretty sure camera. Well, maybe I know they couldn't record and send signals like I don't know when a camera and a and a video uh, like a video was created. But I know you couldn't surveillance people in real time because there was no fucking Internet. Um, There was nothing like you couldn't shoot pictures through time because TV didn't even exist yet. I I don't remember what year it was, but TV came out in the 1900s, like 19 something. Um, So this is very peculiar. Um, So it's starting to make me think that perhaps this future theory that my mind keeps wanting to go to has some type of merit. Um, And then um, our Spanish guys, we find out that the priest and uh, Angel aren't brothers, but I... I figured that that wasn't true when we found out they, that the dude wasn't a priest. Um, I got the predatorial gay vibe from Angel. Um, and now we see it was legit. I, I don't know what's going on with Crester, but it seems like he's fallen into these traps before where he thinks some rich dude is going to be his number one and he falls into um a trap where he ends up something ends up happening and i don't know why but i got the vibe that the last time crester did some shit like this it was his sister the pregnant sister that was affected um so so we'll see um and then we have uh i trying to think if lucian is the one I'm thinking it is. Lucian was the honeymooner. I'm pretty sure that's the same guy. Because the black dude went into his room and put some type of metal down. So that was clearly the reason he was a stowaway in the coals. Coals. Because he's, you know, he was looking for Lucian. And I, I would like to just say before I forget. Because you made a comment the last on the last podcast about Lucian that you were saying you didn't get the vibe that he was disinterested I'm gonna have to agree with shy this time um just based off like like I I think one thing that I I feel like I might be able to do that like because you're so analytical I think I'm more emotional when I watch tv so I think maybe I might be able to see emotions a little bit better than you can because I'm looking. I always look at TV that way. Like I'm an emotional watcher, not an analytical watcher. But I got the vibe that um, Lucian didn't want to be in this marriage. Something happened. Maybe I don't know if he was betrothed to someone else or, you know, he 
was in love with someone else but i get the feeling that the marriage that he is in was forced upon him i didn't know if it was if he was gay or if he was you know tricked by his wife something happened where it was a manipulation to the point where he ended up having to marry her that's why he said you know we're we're not around your parents you got what you wanted you know you can stop with the bullshit that's what like and like of course they're supposed to have sex because they're expected to he's expected to have a baby with her but he's so disgusted with her (laughs) that he couldn't probably couldn't keep a boner and I'm assuming that's what it was because he looked like he was struggling and maybe he had a weak boner and once he got it in there it just went flaccid but I got the vibe that he wasn't into her at all and he probably dislikes her to the point where it's emotionally making him not be able to get up and so that's why I'm saying I'm gonna agree with um shy on that one I don't know if that's true but you were seeming like the way you you made it sound like you thought he was the one that was in love with her but she wasn't in love with him and that's the vibe you were getting I wasn't getting that at all I was getting the same kind of vibe as shy so you know with his interaction with the geisha um he looked generally genuinely interested in her like you know making a conversation like striking up a conversation and that was like the most emotion I've seen him (laughs) you know I should say sappy sentimental emotion I've seen him have since you know we've been introduced to him so I don't know I'm pretty sure his name's Lucian but uh yeah I think that's all I have um I'm gonna end it here um so I can get this in um until next time love peace Harry's the black girl magic queen of the couch Mimi out that was Queen Mimi with her thoughts on the episode. Oh, one more thing I had that I forgot to put on Shy's for hers. I know, Shy, that procrastination means delayed or postponing. Yes, I know you used it in the proper way. <laughs> I was just show, I was just <laughs> telling you that I, in, in, in the use of, in, uh, artistry, artistry? There, uh, I tend to associate that with delaying tactics. So I forgot to point that out. That was in my notes that I took away. All right, Mimi, your thoughts on the episode. Um, Not thoroughly similar to Shy's, but um, still on the, I don't know what the fuck's going on train. I think that's, I don't think we're supposed to know what the fuck's going on, but I um since neither I'm wondering now am did my only only person that saw the glitch am I did I did I see the glitch alone because to me that was like the big thing of the episode tied in with the end of it because that told me that this is somehow artificially created in some capacity rather in the mind rather in a solid abstract uh or or a certain construct in the future wherever the case may be and that's what lends a little bit to the the aesthetic of where we are in this ship. But I don't know, maybe that was more mind-blockingly to me, <laughs> clearly, than anyone else. Um, but I definitely could see uh, you guys being right about the Lucian thing. Uh, he certainly, there was no interaction between him and Clem this entire episode. So that certainly could be the case. 
he might be submissive. I am talking about Crestor. Uh, he might be the just a submissive type. <laughs> but I also think you're right. He probably got into some trouble. Uh, Romero seems to be turned on being treated like shit. So maybe that predatory nature that I'm picking up from Angel is that he, you know, he just goes after the ones that are, uh, that are easier to take advantage of due to whatever personal shit they got going on. Probably his whole religious cult thing he's got going on with his parents. <laughs> um crester that is is why he may like to uh he might be attracted to very um to very controlling upper class type of men that certainly look down on their lowers uh and and take some joy in that i i i'm, I'm alone again on a vessel it's okay. I'll be there <laughs> floating out alone at sea uh, with the whole. Now, don't get me wrong. And I think maybe I need to caveat this on a black level. I'm absolutely with you with the captain. Like, nah, I don't know what the fuck's going on with that ship. I'm out. I'm not doing. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to keep it on moving. I've, I don't feel any need. I need to do this. So on and so forth. But you have too many factors that are are making him do what he's doing a <laughs> i don't want to go over them once again but he has his own personal stakes in this as well as this uh as the fact that he genuinely thinks there might be a cover-up going on and you know white people do white things they like to investigate <laughs> they want to bring things to justice and god bless them you know if we wouldn't have them we wouldn't have watergate wouldn't have all the scandals that we that we unpacked. Wouldn't have any coverage going on in the Middle East. <laughs> They're just <laughs> things that white people do that that us black folks can't comprehend as anything but stupid or reckless, so on and so forth. But coming outside of my racial skin. <laughs> And sitting in the in the body of of one white Ike, white Ike's like, look, I was led to the Prometheus. I found the Prometheus. I'm towing the Prometheus because I want to know what happened. These questions that can't be answered. Some people are like, fuck it. Clearly, you're in the camp that's like, fuck it.
So I do get what you and Chat are saying. But I think sometimes people feel the need to, yes, crazy things, unexplained things are happening, but he feels like he has a personal and not only that, he feels like he was meant to be here. Like, hey, this is actually why I jumped on this fucking other ship to begin with. And thus, why would I decide not to do the one thing in which I went out in the pursuit of doing? Um... I think I'm also alone on the boat about how steamships roll. I I could get that though. Being unfamiliar with uh, that type of passenger vessel. Steamships, most of these people are immigrants. So that's one big, huge, huge component there. Yes, there are first class passengers. Yes, you do have some diligence to the first class passengers. But more importantly, it is about your officers. And simply put, if his officers mutinied, yes, <laughs> there would be a whole different. And I do think I don't disagree that I don't think he's on that path uh, because he's not being fully honest with them. And I think if he were to be a little bit more fully honest, not about the crazy shit going on, even though you may be able to do that, right? But the, the thing of it is, he knows even if he tells them, because these are people who are of the belief that crazy shit goes on or supernatural shit can happen, they would too just want to leave it. They don't want to associate it. They don't even want answers to it. But they're also still at a respectful level enough for the captain that they do uh, uh, do give in to his orders, which tells me that there is a little bit of a questioning hierarchy there like wherever you're going you still have to answer for what you have done and you can't remove a captain unless he does something that requires him to be removed like i don't know walking around and hallucinating that would be or, or putting everyone's life in jeopardy turning around is not putting everyone's life in jeopardy it's just making a whole bunch of un upset passengers but yeah, the passengers are the last people that have any fucking say in it. Well, I mean, they can't, they can't, uh, they can't go down in the engine room and put in coal. They can't go up to the bridge and steer the fucking ship. <laughs> they have no, the only thing they could do is bribe the officers to mutiny against them. That is the, the biggest thing they have in their, uh, their uh, biggest card they have to play at this point. But uh, you heard his second mate, even though he does go, yeah, we should have st uh, stopped it. He too finds it a little odd. So it's not like there aren't people that aren't saying, well, I think it's a little split more so than it is, oh, everyone's against the captain. I think some people are like, well, wait a minute. Why would they send? And it looked like they sent the second message through. I forgot to say that. They, they sent another message through that the lieutenant um, saw he didn't say anything so my guess is there are some people who are just that that respect the chain of command and think about the expanse too that's another really good example of someone seeing someone do something absolutely insane and their reaction to that and there was a lot of criticism of that scene but like a lot of people in the military would be like no the chain of command is to me the command and when you're indoctrinated into that type of mindset you're not going to so easily 
devolve into that you're even if you disagree you're like okay i'm gonna do it by the book i'm gonna disagree yeah you take me to the brig you're not just gonna go after the guy and attack him and take him down it just unfortunately other other than when there is absolute chaos they're like the people like to maintain the element of control to avoid chaos if that makes sense but that is some interesting compelling thoughts uh, for the second episode can't wait to hear your thoughts about the third which hopefully shall be posting um by friday if you want to send feedback have some similar or different thoughts blackercouch at gmail.com until next time peace hair grease and blacker magic <laughs>